the midst of the hardships of life. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Church, my imploring to you this morning is don't lose heart. In the midst of the difficult days, don't lose heart. In the midst of those times at work where you're like, what is going on? I don't understand why this God that I serve is allowing this workplace to be like this. Don't lose heart. In the midst of your marriage dissolving or financial collapse or whatever's going on in your world today, don't lose hearts. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Oh, Father, we come before you in a a posture of humility, a posture of dire need, a posture of gratitude, a posture of Holy Spirit, we're asking you to have your way with us this morning, that we would grow deep into the riches of your Word, God that our spiritual roots will go deep. That in the midst of life and the sufferings and the challenges that that in every high and stormy gale our anchor will hold within the veil On Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sands. So Father, whatever we've brought into the room today, God, I pray we will leave here today having been conformed to the image of Christ. I pray that we will know with confidence for those that have truly given their life to Jesus that their life is no longer their own, God, I pray that we will leave here singing for joy in the midst of the struggles of life. So, Father, I pray that you'd move me out of the way. I pray the only man we would see is King Jesus. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable to you and only you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. Give me a divine unction. Fill me with your power. May we all run hard after Jesus in this moment and every moment that follows. And we pray this in his name the only name that you can be rescued. We pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus the Christ and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, looking at verses 10 and 11 this morning. And as you're turning there, 
the title of the message is, Will My Suffering Ever End? Have you ever been there in life where you're asking God, and it's one of those perhaps dark nights of the soul, where there's tears on the pillow, and as you stare at the ceiling fan that spins above you, and perhaps the window might be open and you hear the crickets chirping outside and, and you're just asking God, you are at that point, you're at that end of your rope where you're asking God, God, will this suffering ever end? We want to quantify suffering. Suffering is not the interstate on a Friday evening at 5 p.m. That's not suffering. It may seem like suffering, but that's not suffering. Uh, Suffering is not someone taking your seat at church. That's not suffering. Suffering is not even someone taking the donut you want, and they're in front of you, one step ahead of you in the donut line at church. That's not suffering. We see what's going on in our world today in Ukraine. Uh, Satan is on the loose. Uh, Evil is on full display. Uh, The the demonic powers, Ephesians 6, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but but we're seeing it portrayed as, as Satan is doing his bidding. And yet in the midst of that, in the midst of those type of situations, in the midst of when we just heard here recently of a young child losing her life in a, in a tragic accident, you got to get to some point in the equation, all of us do, all of us will face this head on in life, that we have to bring a resolution to our hearts, our minds, and our souls that, God, if you're such a good God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? I've given everything for you, God. Just surrendered my life and my family, and, and this is how you repay me. Well, you begin to process those things, don't you? Because it's not if we suffer, it's when. One of the commonalities that every person across this room that we have that we can identify with is that we're all dealing with some element of pain and hurt, and we got scars and we got baggage. And the issue is not that you don't have them or do have them, the issue is what are you going to do with them? See, so often we do this, it's kind of part of the American way, the American culture where you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, you become the self-made person is what the narrative is in our culture, which is anti-biblical. As we often say around here, the American dream is not the American dream. The American dream is the American nightmare. And when you process that, so often we fall into this rut that we, we take our pain, we take our scars, we take our suffering, and it's so counterintuitive to not do this, but we begin to look through our pain to try to find God. When what we need to do is look to God first, and He will clearly, sovereignly explain our pain to us. Peter writes these glorious words in 1 Peter chapter 5. And as we're journeying through this book, you've got to remember in 1 Peter, we've been learning from those in Peter's day 
that their suffering was real, that it was in their face, if you will, that, that they are pushing against culture, saying we stand for Christ, we're in, we're fully devoted, we're not going to bend, we're not going to buckle, we're not going to break, even if the whole Roman Empire is coming against us. And yet in the midst of that, they're, like you and I, right, there can be times where we begin to teeter, don't we? We begin to teeter, we begin to waffle, we begin to shake, so to speak, and Peter's reminding them, saying, look, don't lose heart, stay the course, live out the gospel, live it out, be that living epistle, if you will, and he's writing these words, and he's reminding them, and I believe he's reminding us, he's saying to them, he's saying, look, you're in exile. He's saying, you got to remember, folks, you're in exile, you're an exile in that culture. For every true believer here today in this room, you are an exile. This world is not your home. Like, I don't belong in this world. My citizenship is in heaven. And we have to keep that in the forefront in the midst of the pain. Because if you don't keep that as your lens, if you're not looking through that lens to try to decipher your pain, to try to figure out what God is up to in the midst of your pain, if you're not looking through that lens, it's going to be tough sledding. But when you begin to understand that we're just passing through, that we really are exiles, as we give our life to Christ, the mission is just not to hold down the grass. The, the mission is to go make disciples that make disciples as we give glory to God. Because at some point, at some point, all of us will not be on planet earth any longer. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And so often even professed believers think this world is their home. And what a tragedy it is. Peter writes in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, follow along with me in your Bible, reading from the ESV. And after you have suffered a little while, I love reading that part right there, we're going to explain that. The God of what church? All grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in who? Christ will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Verse 11, here it is. To Him be the dominion forever and ever, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you had to sum up the entire book of 1 Peter, I believe you could sum it up in these two verses. In these two verses are all the richness and the treasure and the glories that are found in Christ. Out of the gate, Peter comes swinging. I mean, he swings for the fence. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he says these words in verse 10. He says this, and after you have suffered a little while. So he uses the word and, and he's using this to connect you got to pause for just a moment. Just flip up in your, your Bible. Go up in your Bible. Maybe you have to flip the page. But just go up for just a moment. Let me read these verses in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Look at the connection to these two verses here and the two verses we just read. Look in your Bible. Here it is. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. Be sober-minded. Be clear-headed. Be watchful. Be alert is what that means. Why? Because your adversary, the accuser, the devil, the diabolos, he prowls around. 
like a roaring lion. He's prowling and he's roaring. He really is diabolical. He's seeking, he's, he's craving and demanding to have something and hear someone to devour. What's that mean? To literally entirely gulp. That's what it means. To decimate, to destroy. Lions sink their teeth into the prey. Their fangs, their claws, they, they sink their teeth into. And you don't want to trifle around with the enemy. What do we do? Verse 9, resist him. Stand against him. How? Firm in your faith by the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing confidently that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And, wow, <laughs> that good? I've never got so excited about the word and. And. <laughs> Anyone else getting this besides me? <laughs> This is good. <laughs> Just in case you didn't get it. We're commanded to be clear-headed and alert because we got this enemy who's not our buddy, not our friend, not the little guy in the red suit with a pitchfork. And he's seeking to kill you and decimate you. And if you're a believer in Christ, he hates you and he hates your marriage and he hates your church. And then all of a sudden, and, and after you have suffered... The word suffered there means this, to be mistreated, to be slandered against, evil, provoked upon, pushed upon, that person who's living for Christ. Peter's reminding them, he's reminding us by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you see it so clearly here that after you've dealt with, after you've resisted the enemy firm in the faith, that you stand against him, that you simply go by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Satan, you don't own me. You don't own me. I used to work for you. I was walking in darkness, but you don't own me anymore. And you declare that by the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't own me. Jesus does. Jesus has bought me. He's purchased me with His blood. And you resist Him firm in the faith. And then after you have suffered a little while, after you've been mistreated, could be family members, friends, co-workers, neighbors that come against you, you're standing for Jesus, you're living for Jesus, you're no longer in that pit, you're no longer in that self-imposed prison that we've all been in at one time or another. For those of us that are truly saved and truly have, given our, have truly given our lives to Christ, we've all been there. So we've rebelled against God. Now we've been set free and our hearts have been softened. Our eyes are no longer dry, but they're filled with joyful tears, spiritual tears of contrition that we mourn over our sin. Blessed are those who mourn. They mourn over their sin, for they shall be comforted. They shall be uplifted. They shall be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and after you have suffered a little while. I love that phrase because you know what it tells me? And hopefully it tells you your suffering will not last forever. I know there's days where you feel like it, don't you? There's days where you're like, God, what are you doing? God, this doesn't make any sense. But when we dig into Scripture, we see Scripture, we know that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's part of this. It's part of the journey. 
We should take comfort. We should be filled with hope. We should have uh, just a joyfulness and excitement in the midst of the suffering. I know it sounds strange. I get this. I battle against this every single day. There's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't battle against this personally. That I'm in the fray, I'm in the battle, and we're, man, we're staying on the night watch, and we're staying in the gap, and we're, man, we're just pursuing Jesus, and we're, we're trying to bring people to the cross of Jesus Christ, and we're doing all of this while the enemy is slinging every fiery dart you can imagine. I take such joy in reading, and after you have suffered a little while, that means my and your suffering will not last forever. What is it today that is on your suffering radar? Like right now in your mind's eye, what is it? What is it you're struggling with? What is it you're dealing with? There's, there's really two truths I want to communicate to you here this morning about this suffering. So for all of mankind, number one, a rescued or not rescued, we might say saved or not saved, we might say, never have given your life to Christ, have given your life to Christ. For all mankind, here's the deal. Suffering is inevitable. Just inevitable. Unfortunately, there's people out there, preachers even, pastors that will tell you, you know, if you just sow your war seed, if you just send in your dollar, many of your dollars to such and such ministry that they can build a, you know, a $10 million parsonage on the beach and you will live a life that you'll be floating on clouds, playing harps, singing kumbaya. That's not how this works. You can't outbuy suffering, whether you're a believer or not. You can't outrun suffering, whether you're a believer or not. Suffering's part of this life. But for the true believer, this is so good, that for those who are saved, rescued, and regenerated... For those today in the room and for those that are listening that have been born again. You've been born again. There's been two births in your life. One physical and then one spiritual. And you know when you've been born again. There is not any ambiguity When the Holy Spirit comes upon your life and invades your life and you realize that, why do I want to continue to go back to the nonsense that I've tried this and I've tried that and I've been here and I've been there and and nothing dulls the pain, nothing fills the void and we just keep searching and searching and searching and what ends up happening often is we begin to inflict more suffering on our lives. No, for the saved person... The suffering for the gospel is inevitable. Welcome to being a Christ follower. Welcome to what I call the shed of suffering. Welcome. But church, it's for our purification. That God will use your pain today, whatever your struggle is today, He'll use it for His glory. He'll use it to make much of Himself in you. 
and the furnace of affliction. He will use those moments. He will draw you closer to Him. He will draw and stir and woo. And that's what God does because we see so clearly that He says these words that after you've suffered a little while, and then Peter, do you notice this when you look at your Bible here? Look at this verse. Peter shifts the focus from the suffering to the suffering reliever. Don't miss this. He shifts the focus from the suffering to the suffering reliever. He says these words, after you have suffered a little while, what does that mean? Is it here just on this earth or does he have a different perspective perhaps in store? We'll see that in a moment. The God of all, say it church, grace. Do you see the shift? I mean, here's the shift. Remember, be sober, be vigilant, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to may devour. Resist him firm in the faith. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, the God who is still the God in the midst of tragedy, the God who is still the God in the midst of life circumstances that don't make sense, the, the God who is still the God of the Bible, who in the midst of whatever you're dealing with today, maybe it's a marriage that's about ready to collapse, and, and you're thinking there's no hope. I know this, that with God, all things are possible. That He can take your mess and He can turn it into a glorious message, a billboard for His glory. To show a lost and dying world that, that, that hope is not found in the things of this life, but, but hope's found in Jesus. He's the God of all grace, charis, unmerited favor. Not getting what we do deserve. Aren't you glad for God's grace? His unmerited favor that doesn't look at any one of us, doesn't look at this guy for sure. He doesn't look at me and you and go, man, pff, you guys are awesome. Like, you guys are amazing. Now he looks at me, apart from the blood of Jesus, and on my best day, I'm filthy rags. With the blood of Jesus, he looks at me, looks at you, the true, saved, redeemed, regenerated believer. He looks to the blood of King Jesus and, and says, that's my girl. That's my boy. They're heirs to the throne. They've been adopted as sons and daughters. He's the God of all grace. I've heard people say this before. They'll say, you know, I wish, wish God would do something for me. <laughs> really? <laughs> Come again? Yeah, I wish God would do something for me, man. My life's hard. Let me get this straight. You want God to do something for you. Yeah. What would you like Him to do? I go through this list, this Christmas list. And then we explain what God has done through Jesus. That, that He gave was most precious to Him, His only begotten Son, that, that whosoever believes, not just intellectually, but there's an emotional reaction. Remember, there also is a third step, an act of the will that says, I don't want my life anymore, but Jesus, I'm going to give you my life today. I want you to take my life and let it be. When God begins to work in that heart and He stirs and He draws to Himself to the fountain of living waters, we will begin to thirst no more. Amen. That's what God does. 
He shifts the focus because the God of all grace, he then calls us to his eternal glory in Christ. Let me read that in totality. So look in your Bible, verse 10. Just listen closely. Just internalize this. Nourish your soul right now. Nourish your heart and your mind. And after you have suffered a little while, so for you that are suffering right now and you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, there's a promise there. There's a promise. The God of all grace who has called you, He stirred, He literally has summoned you to His eternal glory, which is only found in Jesus. Now this is interesting. So is the suffering a little while, is this telling us here that we're guaranteed that in this life for the true believer, that at some point the suffering will always, 100% of the time, always, 100% of the time end here on this earth? Is that what He's saying? I don't believe so. Matter of fact, I, I know that's not the case. I know true believers in Jesus that for whatever reason, by God's sovereign hand, that, that they have been, yes, graced. They have been gifted. Suffering that unless He performs a miracle is going to last their entire life. But what we do know is this, for the true believer here today, and I pray that you know this, that if you are a true believer that you've given your life to Jesus, that there's this next phase after the sanctification called glorification. And what a day that's going to be, amen? What a day that's going to be when we stand face to face with King Jesus. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? I mean, we're not going to saunter in his presence. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Man, we're going to stand in front of the King, amen? The King of glory. We're going to bow down and worship Jesus. I mean, picture the greatest ball game you've ever been to. Boy, they're cheering, they're screaming, the fans are packed in the stands. It is wonderful, it's glorious. Take that on infinite steroids. Can you imagine when we stand face to face with the King of glory Himself? What a day that's going to be, amen? Oh, what a day that's going to be. All the pain and all the suffering will be worth it. I promise us this, we're not going to look back on that day. As we stand on that day, we're not going to look back and go, man, your life was really hard. Uh -uh, we're going to be looking to Jesus and His eternal glory. And I promise us then, for the true believer, you've given your life to Jesus that little while on this earth of suffering will be a little while in comparison to all of eternity. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. I was thinking about that thought and couldn't help but just look at these four things he mentions in your Bible in front of you. Because God himself, did you notice that in the verse? The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. So in nothing else, it's all in Christ. It's exclusive. Yes, it is exclusive. 
There's only one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus Christ. There's no other way you can be saved, but only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? We're not doing anyone any favors by milky toasting this thing and giving them some sort of hope that, you know what, all roads lead to the Disneyland in the sky. The most loving thing you can do is lovingly, by grace and through mercy, you can share with those people that, look, the only way that you will spend eternity with God the Father is through the blood of Jesus Christ, period. And then it says this, God Himself, He's not going to hire someone else to go do these things. He's not going to farm it out, get a subcontractor. That's not what He's doing. God Himself has the reins. What will He do? Here it is in the verse. He will, and they're all kind of synonyms, these four things, but you want to memorize these. He Himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Wow. He's going to restore. It means this, to to mend. He's going to mend back together what has been broken. In the midst of your suffering, often when we suffer, things get broken, don't they? Mentally, physically, emotionally perhaps, relationally. Suffering many times can create a great divide relationally. Could be in a business relationship, a marriage, a church, a, you know, a ball team even. There can be great disunity, if you will. No, he's going to restore himself. He's going to mend that back together. He's going to confirm. He's going to turn in a certain direction and make you able to endure. He's going to strengthen, to make you strong, to, to increase in a, in a tenacious resolve. That when life gets tough, you keep pressing on. And fourth, He will establish you. He will lay the foundation that even if your church gets run into on a Sunday morning, He will remind you that He will establish you. That's what that means, to lay the foundation, to, to anchor yourself. Well, like to anchor yourself, to root yourself in the things of God. That, that when the storms hit, there will be this perfected purification, refining that only goes through the blood of Jesus. Write down key number one. Here's key number one in your notes. Make this personal. Make this very personal as you write this down. Internalize it. The Bible promises that I will suffer for the advancement of the gospel. However, in God's timing, He Himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish me. Let me say that again. Key number one, write it down. The Bible promises that I will suffer for the advancement of the gospel. There's no way around this. However, in God's timing, He Himself, not someone else, He Himself will restore, He'll mend, He'll confirm, He'll make me able to endure, He will strengthen, He will give me a tenacious resolve to press on, and He will establish me to lay the foundation to make stable but the spiritual roots will sink deep. I want you to, to say this thought to yourself. If you want to say it out loud, go for it. But, but I want you to say this to yourself. My sufferings for Jesus shape me into the image of Jesus. 
My sufferings for Jesus shape me into the image of Jesus. The challenge in the midst of the suffering for the gospel is is often we default to looking everywhere except God for our restoring, for our confirming, for our strengthening, for our establishing. But when the light bulb begins to click hard and you begin to see very clearly that to be more than an overcomer, Remember Paul, he's writing there and he's saying, look, here's the deal, I know life's hard. And if anyone, right, amen to this, if anyone knew that life was hard, it would be Paul. Could we agree on that? Shipwrecked, abandoned, beaten, stoned, not on drugs, stoned, right, amen? I mean, there it is, right? He's just all over the place. He's, he's just got wickedness portrayed to him. And he's, he writes these words by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, in all these things... We are more than conquerors, not apart from all these things. No, in these things, in the midst of these things going on, in the midst of what you're dealing with today, whatever it might be on your horizon, in the midst of these things, we can be more than conquerors. We can literally have hyper victory, but it's only through Jesus. That's why in 1 Peter chapter 1, Six through seven. Listen to the familiarity, if you will. Listen to this. Listen to how familiar this sounds. First Peter one six through seven. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while. Hmm. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why? So that the tested genuineness, the purification of your faith, this is what God's after. He's after purifying and revealing if your faith is really true. That's more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. We have a phrase we say often, but I believe it to be true, that your pain has purpose. And when you read those words that are in front of you in your Bible and on the screens, when you see very clearly what it says here, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, that's more precious than anything this world can offer. It's more precious than gold. It's more precious than silver. It's more precious than retirement accounts, beach houses, fill in the blank. It's more precious. It's God's after determining that our faith is real. Because when you and I begin to see that our faith is real, what will that do to you and I? When we begin to understand that since my God is for me, who can be against me? When we begin to understand that greater is He that's within me, the Holy Spirit, than He that's in the world, what will that do to you? When you begin to understand this, as Jesus promised, that in this world you will have trouble, you will have tribulation, the word there is pressure, a pressing together, that when you begin to internalize and understand that in this world these things are going to happen, but he finishes there in John 16, 33, and he says this, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. 
Well, it's a hallelujah moment, isn't it? Your pain has purpose. And God's seeking does not hurt and harm and damage. He's seeking to refine and prune and purify for our good and for His glory. Amen? That's how God works. Think about Paul writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, write it down. 16 through 18. But you've got to remember this. When, when, when Peter wrote those words leading into this Paul quote here from 2 Corinthians that he said, you know what? Don't think it's strange. I mean, it would be strange for the true believer to actually not suffer for the gospel. That would be strange. We're not to look at the suffering for the gospel as, that's weird. Why is this happening? No, we look at it through that lens and this lens because you see in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, here's what Paul now writes, and he says these words, so we do not lose heart. Maybe, you're, maybe today you're, you're tempted to lose heart. Though our outer self, this is so key, our outer self, these bodies of death, they're wasting away. Everyone in this room today, everyone in this room today is dying. We're all dying. Just every click of the clock, right? One step closer. We're wasting away. But what does he say? Our inner self, the true believer, is being renewed day by day. This is so glorious. For this light, uh uh-oh, there's that, here's this thought again. For this light momentary affliction, just pause there for a moment. When you're going through suffering and all over this room, we all have our stuff. Do you ever look at it and go, you know, this is really awesome because it's light and it's momentary. I typically don't default to that. I should. But you've got to remember that everything we go through in this life for the glory of God is light and it's momentary. Here's the key in that verse right there on the screen. What? The light momentary affliction is preparing, it's working, it's doing something behind the scenes for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So if I was here to tell you today that, look, here's the deal. If you can just hang on and hang on to Jesus and you can suffer in the midst of your struggles today, and if I could promise you that at some point in the future, at some point, you're going to receive something that's going to blow your mind. What would you say? Because that's exactly what Paul is trying to tell us. In the midst of the hardships of life, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Church, my imploring to you this morning is don't lose heart. In the midst of the difficult days, don't lose heart. In the midst of those times at work where you're like, what is going on? I don't understand why this God that I serve is allowing this workplace to be like this. Don't lose heart. In the midst of your marriage dissolving or financial collapse or whatever's going on in your world today, don't lose hearts. Keep looking to Jesus. Because what happens? Well, Paul explains it. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians 4, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. There it is. For the things that are seen 
are transient, they're temporal, they're passing away, just passing away. But, but, listen to this, I love this. But the things that are unseen are eternal. You know, one of the traps we fall into when you look at these verses here, and I believe this probably happens to all of us at some point in the journey, is it goes something like this. Our minds begin to play tricks on us, and this thought enters our mind. You know, self, ever had those conversations with yourself? You know, self, if I could just be a good Christian, perhaps I wouldn't have to deal with this suffering. And I believe the enemy can play on that because God's not looking for good moral people. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. We already know from digging in the Word of God that suffering is part of this broken, fallen world. I've been around people that have supposedly given their life to Jesus, and what is revealed over time, because time is the great exposer of who we all really are, is that they were just looking for an escape from their reality. And what they didn't realize is that sometimes when you give your life to Christ, whatever suffering you endured pre-Christ actually gets amped up post-Christ. Because we understand that the enemy now no longer has us in his clutches, and he's going to do everything he can to stop us on the new mission. You think, that, you think through that thought and you go, hmm, how will I then be this more than a conqueror? I believe our last verse tells us. Look at verse 11. Because you've got to remember, as these suffering believers in Peter's day may have been tempted to be anxious, remember 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him. They might be anxious about their suffering. Peter reminds them right here. Look at verse 11. He reminds them right here of, of the well of the vastness of God who holds them in his hands. Like, don't miss this. This last verse holds everything together. If you remove verse 11, we might as well close the church and hit the golf course. You know what I mean? I mean if verse 11 doesn't exist, if there is not a truth to verse 11 in Scripture, if there's not truth in verse 11 in our own lives, what does this now do to this faith that we profess? Look at verse 11. To Him, to God, be the dominion forever and ever, amen. Verse 11 drives everything. When you're looking at 1 Peter, we are concluding this epistle of 1 Peter, and we're in chapter 5, we're almost to the end, and verse 11 drives everything. Because God has all the power, because God is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-present. 
because he's all of those things, because he's immutable, he's unchangeable, uh, because he's the glorious one, because he's the holy one, because he's the righteous one, because he's all of these things in his character of who God is, it's theology, it's depth, that when you go through the furnace of suffering, when you go through the trials of life, if all I'm doing, if all I'm doing is teaching you how to be a better parent, if all I'm doing is teaching you how to handle your finances, if all I'm doing is giving you the how-to, but not giving you the want-to, what will you do when the crises of life hit? See, the closer you get to God, you begin to see who He is. You begin to understand who He is. You begin to be infused with, again, that nourishment in your soul. That when, not if, when the suffering, when the suffering hits your life, where will you turn? Like really, this morning, where do you turn in the dark nights of your soul? Like where do you turn? We all turn somewhere. We all turn somewhere. Where do you turn? I pray that you turn to the God of the Bible who has all power and all dominion forever. It's power, it's might, it's force, it's strength. And there's absolutely no end to his power. I don't know about you, but man, that really encourages me. You guys ever go through a struggle in life and maybe there's someone that has been through a struggle before like yours and somehow God divinely brings them to you? What does that do? Well, it encourages you, doesn't it? They just don't have sympathy. They now have empathy. They they relate to you. Now take that to the ultimate extreme. Can you imagine have someone in your life who has all power and all authority, all sovereignty over every aspect of your life, even your suffering? That's powerful. And that's why at the very end of that verse, they used one word. And all God's people said, it means we agree It means so be it. We come alongside to Him, be the power and dominion forever. It's a declaration, church. This is a declaration, and every true believer in Jesus Christ, you should have this verse written on the tablet of your heart, not just for your suffering but on the mountaintops of life and everywhere in between that that this should be your spiritual war chant. To God be the dominion and power forever. Think about this, you're tapping into the one who's all-powerful, that through the Holy Spirit's power that that He makes us righteous, that it's a doxology of praise, if you will. See, that those who suffer well learn to praise well. My heroes of the faith aren't who you think they are. You wouldn't know my heroes. There are people that don't get a lot of applause nor fanfare. They're not presidents of large seminaries nor megachurch pastors. My heroes are the ones that no one knows about. But they're faithful and they're obedient 
and they're faithful and they're obedient because they know that they've been called to this eternal weight and glory. They know their suffering will only be for a moment, especially in comparison to eternity. And as they journey on with resolve and tenacity, you see so clearly they have this rallying cry in their life that God is, has total supremacy is what they're saying. And that's why our last key, key number two, says it like this. Make this personal. Make this personal. Write it down. In the midst of my suffering for the advancement of the gospel, I must preach to myself that God is always in control and He orders my steps. Let me say that again. In the midst of your suffering today, whatever it is, for the gospel, health, financial, relational, in the midst of my suffering for the advancement of the gospel, I must preach to myself that God is always in control and He orders my steps. Do you believe by an affirmation of amen? Do you today, I'm asking you a question, do you believe that God is sovereignly in control? Now, if you really believe that, what should that do to me and to you as we endure suffering? Well, it should change everything, shouldn't it? God, I affirm, we affirmed out loud, we affirmed for one another today that God, you are in control. We know you're working in the midst of my pain, that my pain has purpose. We believe it. It's more than a cute slogan on a t-shirt. We believe it, God, so that when the suffering comes into our life, we know that it's going to be a great billboard for a lost and dying world that's looking for anything to dull that pain and fill that void, that God, you are trustworthy. And I can trust you in my suffering, and I can trust you with my pain. Whether you relieve it in this life, or you definitely relieve it in the next life, in the presence of King Jesus, we know our pain has purpose. And the Bible reminds us this. In Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord, or ordered by the Lord when He delights in His God's way. Do you see that? We delight in God. We go to Him first with our pain. We go, God, this is lousy. This stinks. This doesn't make sense. It's not fair. I don't like it. But God, I'm going to trust you in this. And as we look to God first, we go through God first to see our pain, not pain to see our God. And we begin to see God working. That's why in Ephesians, it goes on and says this, Ephesians 1, 19-23. Ephesians 1, 19-23. Listen, as Paul writes to the church in Ephesus there, he says this, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And He put all things under His feet and gave Him, Jesus' head, I love this, over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Wow. And you talk about a declaration that every true believer 
should spiritually enunciate and use as their spiritual war chant. It's Jude chapter 1, 24 through 25. Listen to the richness of this in the midst of your pain today, that you begin to proclaim this from your heart, from the wellspring of your soul, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you. Do you catch that? He's presenting us blameless when we're under the blood of Christ before the presence of His glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever, and all God's people shouted, wow. See, I think the challenge, at least for me, is when I go through suffering, I often ask, why is this happening to me? When I need to ask, why is this happening for me? I default to God, why is this happening to me? When I need to default to, why is this happening for me? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? Because so often we live in this culture of what God can do for me when the Bible screams something different. It screams that what does God want from me? The culture says, God, we love you because we we just love your stuff. (laughs) Thanks for all the presents under the tree. And the Bible screams as I give my life away. God, what do you want from me? So what do we learn today, church? What are you going to take away today? What are you going to take from this place today that you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to take this and I'm going to infuse it into my life starting this afternoon? Well, number one, my suffering will not last forever. Number two, God Himself will restore and confirm and strengthen and establish me. And and number three, that, that I know that God has all the power. And this helps me trust Him with my pain. See, I I don't know if we understand this, but true believers in Jesus today, listen to me as we close, listen to this closely. You, if you're a true believer in the room today, that you've given your life to Jesus, that He owns you, do you understand that you have an opportunity to make a generational effect spiritually for generations to come. I mean, you have this opportunity. It's right there in your lap. What will we do with this Jesus who is called the Christ? Will we leave here today and just saying, that was a good service? Or will we leave here today more on mission for the mission in the midst of our suffering to go show a lost and dying world that our Jesus lives. Amen? Father, we come before You, Lord, in the midst of our pain, in our midst of our struggles. Lord, thank You for reminding us today that after a little while, that means our suffering will end at some point. The God of all grace who's called us to His eternal glory in Christ Jesus will Himself. You'll do it, God. You'll restore us and mend us. You'll confirm us and strengthen us and establish us and lay a foundation only You can lay. 
Oh, Father, I pray if there's one here today, Holy Spirit, would you move? Move in this place if there's one here today that's never truly given their life to you. Lord, I pray for soft hearts, tender hearts, not rebellious hearts, but soft hearts right now. Holy Spirit, would you move in this hour, move in this time. Fill this place with your glory. Move all over this room right now, I pray. Shake this place like never before. Gotta pray if there's one here that's never given their life to you truly. Gotta pray today will be the day we'll step out in faith. Father, for the marriage that's on the brink of collapse, we pray over that today. For the parent-child relationship that's been severed, God, we pray for that today. For the hardness of heart and the attitudes of the heart that enslave us, the selfishness and the, the jealousy, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the anger, Lord. God, would you free us from those imprisonments that we live in so often. Father, whatever you want to do in this time, Father, I just pray you move. As we open the altar, as people begin to pray and seek your face. Lord, humility is what you're after. Not prideful resistance, but a humble, teachable heart. Oh Lord, move in power in this time. And to you be the praise. To you be the glory. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.